website CaldwellZagRecruitingNews.com. We hope to make this a semi-regular show during the season where we talk about all things Gonzaga basketball. Zag up! I'm your host, Josh Linky, and as always, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Caldwell Zeg. How are you doing tonight, Caldwell? I'm doing good, Josh. How about you? I gotta say, I'm I'm pretty amped up after the exhibition game. I, I you know, look, we have to take a game like that with a grain of salt. It's not um it's not pre- predictive of our future, it's not predictive of of tougher competition. Um, there really wasn't much in the way of significant offense being run by Gonzaga during that game. But I will say that it was pretty promising to see a guy like Graham EK come out and absolutely dominate from beginning to end. Obviously, there's some things he can improve on, namely conditioning. Uh, but I think that's something that he's going to get his legs as the season progresses. And, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm super excited about where we're at and what we're going to witness this season. I think I tweeted out about it, that this team shows a lot of resemblance of the 2017 team. When you look at, you know, just everything from guard play to the bigs and all that stuff. But yeah. I was really excited with what I saw with Graham and, even more excited with Braden Huff just continuing to show, you know, his improvement, uh, not only at craziness, but now in the exhibition. So I can't wait to see these guys against D1 team, um, see what they're capable of and see what that rotation starts to look like. Program like Lewis and Clark State, you know, they're they're not Division Two, they're not Division Three, they're, they're NAIA level, which is, you know, relatively low division uh, basketball, but still are a competitive basketball team. And they allow us to actually get a chance to see the guys get out there and work. And, you know, I, I agree. I think one of the most important things that we saw uh, really all evening was Braden Huff kind of just showing that he can get his shot, that he can be a, a con- an actual uh, contributing member of the rotation uh, because what it does is it really just shows the flexibility of of the the front four rotation that we have. Which uh, if once Anton's firing all on all cylinders, uh, granted he had a, a pretty rough game, uh, but you know once once he's firing on all cylinders, if Ek has his uh, conditioning in check, um, and you know we know it, we we're gonna get out of Ben. He's definitely gonna stretch the floor. Uh, but then having Huff can, who can really do the same thing that Ben can do, but maybe even a little bit higher efficiency on offense, uh, that's that's going to be a boon to the offense and allow a lot of flexibility for Coach Few. Yeah, I mean, I I just look at a couple a couple things with uh, Braden that he was eight for eleven from the field and one for four from three point range, which he's a better three point shooter than that. Yeah. But that means he literally did not miss a two-point field goal in the game. Right. Like, that, that's pretty efficient. Like, I, um, we know what we're going to get from Ben. Ben is going to be out there. He's a pure hustle guy that's going to, you know, play hard on both ends of the court. Yeah. He's going to make some big shots, stretch the floor. Um, 
I love what I saw from both Braden and Graham, though. The two kind of on no ones of the group. Uh, Anton was not necessarily Anton of normal efficiency on the offensive end. But, I mean, you still even look at his plus minus. He was like plus 14, plus 15, somewhere right in there. Yeah. Like, he still played well and he still affected the game. It just. Yeah, I, I think the part of his um, game that jumped out to me was that he was six for eight from the line. Um, which, you know, we knew last year his struggles at the line. Uh, he had his worst season uh, as a free throw shooter. And, you know, if he can bump that back up to where he was at before last season, that that would be great for just improving the overall efficiency of his team has. Um, knowing, letting other teams know that you can't just hack Anton and what was Timmy on the front line last year and not, and, and not get a um, – uh, and, and no, you're not going to necessarily make all those free throws. You know, if Anton's hitting at a higher clip, EK, if he can hit at a high clip, uh, Huff was four for four from the line as well. So, like, it just – it gives us an extra wrinkle uh, where teams are going to be forced to kind of, you know, maybe rethink how they operate against our bigs. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And, like, if they could – they could hit like that from the line. Like, I mean, as a team, we were 15 for 18, which if we could do that from the line, we're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so I, I was very pleased. And yes, it was, it, you have to take it with a grain of salt. This was Lewis Clark state. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not definitely not even yell level who we're going to face this week, but this is, you know, an exhibition where we had to play somebody besides ourselves and they guys went out there and they competed and they played well. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really, and I enjoyed the post game interview um, where Greg Heister and Dan Dickow had um, EK over and he just kind of explained like the process and what he went through when he was making his decision and really how he pretty much committed on the spot uh, on his visit. Uh, despite that, not necessarily being when the team announced it, um, you know, that it shows that he, he knew right away that Spokane yeah. was home. He knew that the community was something that he was going to be interested in. He could feel that family presence that we all talk about, you know, as Zeg fans, we, we talk about what this family is like and what this greater community is like. And uh, he could feel that from the guys who are currently part of the team. He could feel that from some of the former players who were around campus on his visit and it just, it shows like, it's, it's a beautiful thing when, when a recruit comes and says, that's one of the biggest selling points in my opinion. I'm right with you. And, you know, he mentioned, and I definitely, I tweeted something out about this too. Like, like Andrew Nimhard was one of the guys that sold him on Gonzaga. Well, at the same time, his brother, Ryan, was there, who yeah. obviously committed to. I mean, this Andrew Nimhard is going <laughs> to – like what he brought to this year's team by getting Graham and Ryan both to come to Gonzaga. Now, I'm not saying Andrew forced Ryan to come to Gonzaga. Ryan made that choice himself. Sure. But the selling points of what Gonzaga has done for that family and what that family has done for Gonzaga – Brought two guys with Ryan and Graham to this year's team. And I, you know, you look at them, those are going to be two of the leaders on this year's team, along with Anton. Yeah. And just the, but that's a family feel. How many programs, and there are some, I'm not saying there's not, like Duke is one that they talk about the brotherhood all the time, right? 
But these guys come back and they're there on these recruiting trips to tell these recruits how important it is to come to Gonzaga and what Gonzaga has done for their career. Like that's, I mean, that's huge. And it's not just Andrew that's done this. You can go through the list uh, of former, you know, pros or former Gonzaga guys that have come back and had these conversations with the recruits that have made a difference. But uh, it was really cool to hear that um, when Graham said that. Um, it was, you know, there. It was funny because, like, it was, you know, on that trip, and I talked about this on my site. Like, Graham and Ryan hit it off, but there was also a player that started for us this trip that was a big fact of that too. That's Nolan Hickman, who literally was on that visit and hit it off with um, Ryan, and they talked about how they could play together and how they could fit together and i mean you just start looking at that like these, these are unselfish players with an unselfish program yeah that's gonna be huge I, this team this team maybe doesn't have the the big name like you know drew the last couple of years but it, it's it's got a different feel to it and i know it's an exhibition so i'm trying not to get my hopes yeah too high but at the same it's, time, it's too late. We're it's national title or bust, right? <laughs> it is. Like, I'm I'm chilling in your basement, dude, for the national yeah title game. Like we already got the plans. Like I'll sleep on the floor if I need to. I you know, <laughs> kick one of your kids out of their bed or something. But it's national title or bust. This team, but this team has a feel to it that is very reminiscent of that 2017 team. Now, will they get as far? I what the 2017 team did was very magical and making the national title game, being a couple minutes away from winning the title. That's, you don't ever want to put the pressure on it, but it just has a feel when you start looking at um, Josh Perkins and how he compares, you know, to Nolan Hickman where they were point guard. Now they shift off the, off the ball to the two guard to bring in another point guard with Nigel Williams, Goss, and now, Ryan Nimhard. Yeah. You look at you look at the rotation of four bigs, like um you got a transfer in Steel Ventures that could shoot it like Jordan Matthews. Like you start yeah. there, there's a lot of similarities. Uh it's gonna be a fun team to watch and it's gonna be it's gonna be different than the last four years. And I think that's important for people to understand. It's gonna be different. It's yeah. not running through one guy. Yeah, and you know, I think I think the one area where where the theory that this matches up with 2017 starts to fall off a little bit would simply be on the defensive end because 2017 was simply the greatest defensive team that Gonzaga's ever had. And it, I don't even oh, think yeah. it's close, like in comparison to any other season. And to match that level of a defensive efficiency uh, that that, per- that team had that year would be a tall order for any year's team and you know i mean we can go back to the the 2020 uh national title uh runner-up team you know jalen suggs um you know some of the the defensive benefits that chet holmgren provided the year later um you know these are these are things that you know attributes that could have lent themselves to really high level uh, highly efficient defensive teams but even those teams didn't compare to that 2017 uh, defense so that that's kind of where i have to see it grow and i have to see it against tough competition before i'm willing to say okay yeah this this team's defense has the goods on that front i think though that this defense does have 
the potential to be pretty good, actually. Better than maybe we expected. I think some people came into the season seeing um, you know, some of the, the early analytical ratings for the defense being, I think, I want to say it was like top 30 or something in Ken Palm uh, and going, well, that seems a little a little high for this team uh, coming off of the roster from last year. But I think the EK has the potential to be a better defender than Drew Timmy. I do think that Nolan moving off guard has the ability to be a, a you know, even better defender than he's shown in his career so far. I think Ryan Nemhard is actually going to hold his own at point guard just fine on the defensive end. Anton, obviously, we know that he's one of the best defensive players in the in the nation. Uh, the one thing I yeah. do think it'll be interesting to see how it develops is we don't have that true shot blocker. Yeah. Um, and although the team did somehow manage nine blocks in the exhibition yeah, game, I know I saw that. I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty impressive. So Dusty yeah. had two which was crazy to think about. And, and there's a guy, there's a guy that's going to, you know, get his minutes and talk about a guy that I think could lock down some people on the yeah. defensive end. Like he comes in as this high school kid that was scoring a bunch of points and all that, but he's got this, he's got this athleticism to him that I think he's going to be pretty good um, guarding the two, three um, still, you know, still has got a, lot of length to him so i mean there, there's potential i definitely definitely agree with yeah. you but i also agree with you that we got to we got to wait and see because you know i i hear there's a pretty good team we're playing in maui that will test us a little bit before we get too deep into our upcoming schedule i want to talk a little about uh, about our game on friday um and you know we're recording this on on the monday uh november 6th uh, we play Yale on on Friday, and um, you know Yale is a really interesting program because they had a really really good team last year, and and it's interesting because uh, Coach Few mentioned during uh, the post game interview um, from the exhibition that we were actually supposed to play Yale last year, but that fell through because of the scheduling agreement. Uh, late in the season between him and, and John Calipari. Um, so Kentucky kind of took their place. And as a result, Kentucky ended up playing Yale last year to kind of uh, help out their schedule. And then Yale moved to our schedule for this season. And, but, but the thing about that is, is that this is a little bit tougher uh, mid-major opponent than Mark generally likes to schedule uh, for, for a season. And, and what it comes down to simply is that Yale is like a top – they're ranked top 75 right now on Ken Palm, but they're really more like maybe a top 50 team in the country overall based on the talent they bring back. They bring back three-fourths of what their minutes and scoring were from last year. They've got a guy who could be an all-Ivy League player in Matt Noling. Uh, they've got one of the best individual defenders in the entire nation, not even just the Ivy League, in Bez uh, Mabang. I may be mispronouncing his name. Um, and, you know, plenty of shooting to hang with the more athletic power conference rosters like what Gonzaga would bring to the table. I I don't want to say that we're going to, you know, this game's going to be like go down to the wire or something like that, but, but Yale has the talent to upset a power conference team in the NCAA tournament. So 
Gonzaga fits the bill of the exact type of team that Yale is wanting to potentially meet in March. Um, obviously a whole lot of work to be done this season for Yale before that could even be done. But I mean, they just dropped a hundred points on Vassar tonight. You know, Vassar is not some amazing program or anything. This is, you know, a lower level school, but that just shows that Yale has a whole lot to, to, to bring to the table on, in a very balanced team who can, you know, score as well as defend. No, I fully agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Vegas puts the uh, the spread on this one at. Just because I I don't see us winning by twenty. Like ten would be a good win. Like, but um, Yale's gonna Yale's gonna win the Ivy League is my guess. Um, they're yeah. gonna make they probably they have a legit chance to win a game or two in the tournament. Yeah, like they have they have talent. Um, yeah. Matt Nolan, he's he's really good. He'll probably be the Ivy League Player of the Year type guy. Um, so I definitely wouldn't sleep on Yale and just chalk this up to an early season win. This is these are these are the kind of games that you know you schedule them. You're like, oh yeah, it's, we're playing Yale, and you're like, okay, that that's a win. But now when you go to the end of the year and you're looking at a resume builder, this is going to be a quality win on the schedule. It's not going to be just a Oh, they played a you know top three hundred rated team, and doesn't really matter. This is going to be a top. I would, I guess, by the end of the year, probably top sixty team in the country, if not higher. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I you know Princeton upset Arizona in the NCAA tournament last year, um, and you know a lot of people were shocked by that result. Princeton uh, kind of ended Yale's run early last year. Uh, and that was why that team that was favored to potentially be in the position that Princeton was in was not. Um, so, you know, Yale's going to be heavily favored this year in the Ivy League. I think, I, and I, I just think, you know, similarly to last year, Kent State had a really tough team. And granted, they didn't really meet all of their expectations that they had set, you know, early in the year. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I remember reminding a lot of people early on in the season last year, uh, roughly the same thing that, Hey, don't be shocked if this game is a lot closer than maybe you would think it would be just judging by the name of the program on paper. You can look at Yale. You can say, ah, that's just an Ivy league team. No big deal. We'll, you know, we'll beat them probably by 30 points. That should be a cupcake game. This is by no means a cupcake game. This is by no means a program you should overlook. Um, you know, Yale is very well coached. It has tons of talent. A lot of guys who probably could have moved on to uh, bigger programs, you know, um, through the transfer portal. And, and instead they decided to stay uh, and, and potentially, you know, run it back with Yale and do something special this year. So yeah, I, I would not be shocked at all if this comes down to a single digit, you know, maybe even five to seven point win for Gonzaga. And, and yeah. if, if Gonzaga comes out cold and lets Yale hang around too long, it would not be shocking if Gonzaga was on upset alert. So I'm not guaranteeing that by any means, but it's just something to think about, something to keep in the back of our mind. The thing I'm going to be interested in seeing is how does Yale do against our size? I mean, yeah. we actually have – a very big team this year. Like, so how does Yale fare 
uh, fare against the size. Um, if they if they hold up against the size and they don't let it just get killed on the boards, then they're going to hang in this game. So it could be something that does impact it where everything we're saying doesn't matter because our size just dominates a team like them. But, and, you know, that's – I sh- should have probably looked a little closer, but I don't know what yells – you know, overall sizes, but so, I do. <clears throat> most of their players are in that like six, two to six, seven, six, eight mm-hmm. range, but they actually do have a seven footer on the roster uh, in Danny Wolf. Um, and in the case of Danny Wolf, he, I believe he's a sophomore. He, he played 18 minutes tonight, scored eight points, um, yeah. had 10 rebounds. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a contributor for sure. So, yep. you know, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, I don't think, granted, our front court is, is pretty stout. Uh, we're going to have, you know, that four-man rotation that's going to probably give some teams a little trouble. When you have two six ten guys who can run the floor like Braden Huff and Ben Gregg and, and hit trailer threes, you know, in transition, like that's, that's pretty special. I remember like, at yeah. one point during the exhibition – uh, I believe it was like back to back or within like three plays of each other. Ben hits a transition three and then Braden hits a transition three. And that is just a luxury that not a lot of programs have, not even high level programs. You know, there's very few programs in the country that trot out guys with size who can knock down shots consistently. So agreed. Uh, so, Hey, real quick. And I, I know we're talking on like a basketball, but I got on here to look at the Yale score and that, yeah, fourteen or it's the end of the end of the regulation. Michigan State's about ready to go into overtime with James Madison. Like that just That's tells insane. you, any, yeah, anything could happen, man. It's it's the opening week of college basketball. None of these teams really have been tested other than playing themselves over and over and over. So it just shows you right. anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, there was uh, several programs today that were, you know, opening night of college basketball that were on upset alert uh, from North Carolina to Louisville. I believe Wake Forest was struggling at one point. Um, Obviously, as you just mentioned, Michigan State, who some people have said is a shoe-in as a Final Four team this year, and they're going to overtime against James Madison. So that's, that's spectacular. And that, it just goes to show really, like, at the end of the day, like, I love college basketball so much. It is the best sport, in my opinion, uh, collegiate or otherwise. I love the parity in the sport. I love the, you know, how little programs can come and surprise big programs at any time. And, you know, it just, it separates college basketball from, from things like college football where you the that you're either a have or you're a have not and the have nots rarely do anything it's the haves because you know their six string player at Alabama could have started for any program in the country so you know that that's just i think it's something there's something special about college basketball where you you can get star players and star power at the little guys as well i oh i agree and you know it it all it takes is one team getting hot at the right time. That's what's so amazing about March Madness. And that's why we all watch like, yeah, you know, St. Peter's like, come on. Like those, those guys, those guys got red hot. Those, the starting five wouldn't have started at most D one schools, but they got hot and they, the, but the parody there, it was, it's fun to watch. It's awesome every year. 
I mean, it wasn't wasn't too many years ago that there was this little school in Spokane, Washington that started that way and now is a juggernaut. So I just I, that's what's way cool about college basketball and Gonzaga would not be the program it was today if college basketball is run like college football. So Absolutely. So uh coming up after the Yale game uh at the beginning of of next week I believe uh on the 14th um Gonzaga will face Eastern Oregon and this is kind of an interesting game because it's really a glorified exhibition game. Um mm-hmm. it's not going to count as an exhibition. It's an actual game that's going to show up on the record, the win-loss column for Gonzaga. But um but you know, for all intents and purposes, Eastern Oregon is an NAIA school. They're, um, I believe, they're in the same league as Lewis and Clark State. Yeah. 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 Um, so you know, it's it's this is a game that probably would have shown up as an exhibition in most years, but just because of the way that the schedule was this year and the fact that uh, Coach Few tried to kind of schedule relatively lightly early on um, in this season. Uh, or Eastern Oregon will not count as a, or, or rather it will count as a actual win, um, assuming that Gonzaga gets through that game, uh, which they should by a pretty manageable margin. Yeah, if, um, if they if they don't, then we better uh, drop our Final Four or national title and bust because yeah. we can't beat Eastern Oregon. That's no offense to Eastern Oregon; they they have a solid team. I mean, that league they play in College of Idaho. Uh, last year made a deep run into the NAIA tournament. Like it's a it's a solid league they play in, but at the same time it's NAIA. So, right, yeah, it's it's definitely a departure from the quality of Division One college basketball, or should be a departure most of the time. Um, and then following that up, Gonzaga does not play again until they get to Hawaii and and face off against Purdue on Monday, November 20th. So we have, you know, really light schedule, like, like we were talking about one division one game before we head off to Maui, uh, or rather in this case, uh, Honolulu to the Stan Sheriff center. I think there are some people out there who are predicting a Virginia esque run by Purdue this year. Um, after the, the 16 seed, uh, fairly Dickinson upset Purdue, uh, last NCAA tournament and I don't really feel the same way about Purdue that a lot of people do um, number one Matt Painter has struggled in the NCAA tournament for years it has just been it's been his bugaboo he has never been able to leave uh, the elite eight and most years earlier than that um, I do like Zach Eady. I think he's a fantastic player for his size very skilled uh, considering you know the size, he's seven foot four and he's built like a a tank. Do you see the uh, standing there at seven four? And this other guy next was like a five eight. Yeah, like, Zach Eady's a beast, man. Like I, he, but he only. I mean, I don't know how many minutes he played today, but he only scored sixteen points. I guess he played twenty minutes, so that's pretty good. So yeah, uh, they played Samford and. You know, he was on, I wouldn't call it a minutes restriction, but he was just, they, they spread the ball around a little bit uh, today. And with good reason. I mean, they beat Samford by, what, 53 points or something like that? Um, yeah, they covered, they covered the spread. Yeah. 
And, you know, and, and this is, again, I am not trying to knock Purdue at all. I think they are going to be a formidable opponent in that first game. I have circled that game as a likely potential loss for Gonzaga, like out of any of the non-conference games all season. Um, and for, for good reason, Purdue is going to be one of the most efficient teams in the country. Zach Eady is going to challenge for national player of the year. Um, and, you know, I do actually think Matt Painter is a really, really good coach despite his NCAA tournament hiccups over the years. I also think they have better guards than what most people realize. I like Fletcher Lawyer. I think he's, um, you know, he's a really good shooter. Um, Lance Jones, also pretty, pretty solid player overall. I think that overall the depth for Purdue, the issues maybe on the wing for them might come into play as the season progresses. Last year in the, uh, in the PK 85, in the the preseason tournament, Purdue caught everybody off guard and came out and just dominated Gonzaga from, from opening yep. tip until finish. And, you know, it was kind of like a wake up call for a lot of Zag fans uh, early on in the season as to what the potential for that team might be. That being said, I think Gonzaga has the opportunity to do something very similar to what Purdue did last year to us and, and kind of, you know, pay, pay them back, give them a little revenge game because Gonzaga is not really on the radar for a lot, even though we're preseason 11th in the nation, a lot of people are writing Gonzaga off as just kind of being like, eh, they're going to be okay, but they're not going to be a national title contender. They're not, they're not a final four potential team. So, um, that's what I was going to say, I, I saw somewhere, I think it's CBS sports, not a single person picked him for the final four. And I'm like, that's not a normal year. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like and, and I kind of feel like in some ways there's going to be a chip on the shoulder for EK, for Watson, for Nemhard. You know, these guys are going to look at that and they're going to, they're going to say, and, and, and look, Anton remembers very clearly what happened in that Purdue game last year. Ben Gregg right. and Nolan Hickman remember very clearly what happened in that game last year. They're going to want to make sure Everybody on the team knows this game is extremely important yep. uh, for us because, you know, there's a statement to be made. And, Absolutely. And the roles have been reversed a little. Gonzaga is going to be the underdog heading into that game, whereas last year it was the opposite. And I think, I think that the Zags will be ready. And I, I honestly am starting to feel and believe that this team – could make a pretty good run in Maui or, or Hawaii, um, you know, regardless of the fact that the Maui field is one of the best that's ever been in that tournament. And that's, that's saying something because we've been part of some pretty amazing Maui invitationals in years past. Um, You know, if we get past Purdue, it doesn't get any easier. We'll potentially pay, like, let's say we beat Purdue. It's very yeah. likely we're going to have Tennessee waiting the next night, a top 10 team in the nation, uh, a team that looked ex- exceedingly good against Michigan State in their uh, scrimmage earlier this this offseason. And and then if you get past Tennessee. Wait, hold, on. hold on. You mean the Michigan State team that is down three to James Madison right now? <laughs> yeah, that team. Okay. I, I just want to make sure we're talking about the same Michigan State team. Okay. Um, 
And then if you get past past Tennessee, you're potentially facing somebody like Kansas or Marquette, both teams in the top uh, five or six in the nation, or potentially even UCLA, which I would think it's probably unlikely that they'll be on the winner's side of that bracket. But you never know. But yeah, even I mean, Shamanad's the other one you could face, and I, you know, I think they're going to make a run right out against Kansas in the first game. But yeah, I mean, you look, Kansas is number one, Marquette's number five, Tennessee's number nine. Like it's not Purdue's number three. I mean, we are what like we're we're ranked eleventh and we're fifth highest rated team in the tournament like right. what the heck it, it, it's a loaded Maui field and I yeah. think you get a win against Purdue you got a chance to get Tennessee all of a sudden you got two top 10 wins if it, it if you can get through both if of you them get, yeah. if you get through both of them and then you go play Kansas most likely or Marquette both of them dang good teams you could end up with three top ten wins coming out of Maui. If Gonzaga like, was to sweep Maui and end up with sol- those three wins, you solidify the shot at a number one seed, and that's uh, yeah, and, yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, but that's and I'm not I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just talking hypothetically if yeah. it were to happen because you know there's. The opposite of that could happen. Gonzaga could lose to Purdue, play, end up having to play Syracuse, and then maybe Chaminade or UCLA to close it out. And that's not as pretty of a picture by any means. But again, this team, we don't 100% know what to expect right now. And, you know, we're just kind of like flying off the cuff, going with our gut, trying to predict some potential finishes, you know, through this process. Yeah, absolutely. And, so it'll be, know, fun. it'll be fun to watch that Maui. That Maui invite is loaded. If you don't, if you have plans over Thanksgiving, you probably should just change change them and sit at home and watch basketball nonstop. So yeah, absolutely. I think I think to close out this episode, I'd like to just kind of discuss a little bit about um, where Gonzaga is currently at in recruiting on Zoom Diallo. Um, he is coming up with a decision in the near future, probably within the next couple of weeks. Um, he's hinted at the early signing period as kind of just being his rough time frame. And granted, he's hinted at multiple time frames for a commitment before, and it has not happened. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, uh, you know, it appears that he's down to really the four West Coast schools: Washington, uh, Gonzaga, obviously. Arizona and USC. Um, and it's probable that he ends up in the old Pac 12 for now. I guess you want to call it the old, I don't know, whatever it is. The new Big Ten. Uh I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold prediction right here that Zoom ends up on the West Coast somewhere. Wow. That's about that's I mean that's you, listen, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Caldwell has predicted Zoom Diallo to the West Coast. That is as bold as I get. I think Louisville's out of the running. Um if they were in the running ever, it was before tonight almost getting beat. Um <laughs> but and being so pathetic, it's not even funny. Um yeah, that 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 UMBC 
uh, challenge really changed Doom's mind, probably in, in his recruitment. Probably. Yeah. No, I mean, it, I, I joke around about it, but like, that's what this recruitment's been. Like, yeah. if, you, if you're on my site, you, I maybe made a comment this last week that I don't know if there's enough whiskey to get me through the end of this recruitment. So <laughs> I, it's, it's been up, down, all around. And, you know, but this is, I think this is an important point that, you know, is we don't always talk about is we're, we're talking about a high school kid here yeah. and you got all of us grown adults, like living and breathing on every move yeah. this kid makes. He's making it's, a it's like change. it's like a soap opera for for us middle aged dudes who love to talk about college basketball, right? Who know everything about it, and yeah. you know we're making these life decisions for the kids. Um, so I mean, as <laughs> as tough as it is, like we do have to remember, like what what is Zoom in the grand scheme of things? Where does Zoom see himself? Yeah, um, does he see himself as a one and done guy? Right. Um, a guy's going to come in, step in, uh, start from the get go, and be in the NBA next year. You know, after next year, if he does, there's a program that fits that. Um, he sees himself as a guy that's a two to three year in the program building, then being an NBA guy. There's a program that fits that. If he sees himself wanting to make a lot of money, there's a program for that. Yeah. Um, if he sees himself wanting to play at a program that's going to fire their coach before he, get, he gets on campus, there's even one of those in this recruitment. So, I mean, it's what does Zoom want? And does he want to stay at home? I mean, there's a there's a program in his backyard. And then if you want to get a little bit out of your backyard, there's one five hours away. So, I yeah. mean, there's a little bit of everything in this recruitment. Um, every program has a selling point. I think one of the things that you and I briefly touched on before is on social media, people were freaking out because UW and Arizona came and visited him, Arizona on his birthday, all this stuff. And you got to understand, Gonzaga's been in this game from the get-go. Yeah. We have been on Zoom from day one. We have put a lot of time. We put a lot of effort. Um, some of these other programs are playing catch-up. And will they catch up? They might. And they, He might choose one of the other programs. Um but we put a lot of time and effort just because it wasn't blasted all over social media that we visited him on his birthday or visited him this week before he makes a decision. We've put the time in. Gonzaga has done everything in their power. Not only, you know. I I can promise you that 17, 18, 19-year-old dudes on their birthday would, would rather be doing other things than having a conversation in their living room with Tommy Lloyd, Mark Few, Mike Hopkins, whoever. Um, Zoom probably wanted to hang out with his family, his friends, do some cool stuff on his birthday. I don't really think it's great. I don't know. Maybe he did want to have conversations with coaches on, on his birthday. Maybe not. I don't know. In the day, the point that I'm trying to make is simply that it doesn't matter what we think or feel as fans. Nope. Because at the end of the day, the, the right guys are going to come to Gonzaga. That, it, that has always been the case, and it always will be the case, assuming that Gonzaga continues on the trajectory it's on now and has been on for the last 25 years. So, yep. you know, I will continue to trust our coaching staff. I will continue to trust Mark Few, who kind of, I think, knows a little bit about what he's doing to run the program. So- 
you know, Maybe. sometimes, yeah. you know, he, Some, has, sometimes. He, has, has he ever had a losing season? Uh, I mean, I gotta, I gotta go back one by one through 25 years to figure that out. Hold on. Oh, he hasn't missed the NCAA tournament, let alone have a losing season. <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah, he's, you know, we, every year it, the sky's falling. Yeah. And the sky's not falling yeah i am i am excited about the the team we have right now in this season uh well, to watch it if come you want together but you even want to talk recruiting who do we lose off this year's team for next year right the, right and, and that's that's a good point and that's something that you've talked about on your side a little bit um and you know i think i think people need to just kind of step back and think about roster construction for a moment and who does Mark Few like to start from from on day one? Well, he likes to start experienced, known commodities at guard, who he can trust to run the system, to be a coach on the floor, um, to be you know the guy who's going to orchestrate the pick and roll and ball screens and everything he does. He likes to do in his system, and um, if Ryan Nemhard is available to come back next season, then Ryan Nemhart is going to be the starting point guard at Gonzaga, no matter who else decides to come and join him on that roster. On well, conversely, if, how about how about this? How about if Nolan Hickman comes back? Right. I was going to say con, conversely, if Ryan Nemhart does not come back, but Nolan Hickman comes back, yep. well, Nolan Hickman will be in a fourth year on Gonzaga's system. He has experience as a point guard in the system already, and he will have spent a year tutoring under one of the best point guards in the nation in Ryan Emhart. That to me sounds like the perfect pedigree for a starting point guard next year. So, you know, I, I no matter what happens, or let's say both of them come back, both Nolan and Ryan come back next year. Now you've got two more than capable guards who can run your system. I, end of day, where does a freshman point guard fit into that rotation? How does but, he fit with that group? Or maybe he doesn't play only, point guard in that group. Not only know. that, but if he comes in and those two come back, is he content to learn under, like you said, one of the best point guards in the country? Exactly. Because does learning under Ryan Nimhard for a year benefits you in the long run? Yeah. Or does going to UW and playing on a garbage team <laughs> and making $1.5 million in NIL money and then go, then trying to go pro and you, yeah. you didn't really, I mean, you didn't really grow. You didn't really grow. Does that, does that benefit you? And that's just, I mean, it's UW. I, mean, I, I guess, I guess more than anything, what you're doing is you're making a decision. Are you betting on yourself? to be able to handle the workload, to be the starter day one on a team that's probably not going to meet much of any expectations in year one of the Big Ten. Um, I would or, I, I'd expect them to be last in the Big Ten next year. Right. Or, they, or they, might compete with Oregon. they might compete with Oregon for last. So. <laughs> or do you go and sit behind one of the best point guards in the nation and grow, develop, learn, become the best you can possibly be, and and then in year two and three blossom into that do everything all American style point guard that can run Coach Few's system and do all the special things that you are capable of doing. Look, 
And more or less, I, that, but he, the decision to go to Washington won't wouldn't necessarily be a bad decision because there, if you don't remember, uh, just going back about six years or so, there was another point guard who chose to go to Washington and became the number. Uh, he was the number one pick in the draft, right? Markel Fultz. Yes. Yep. Um, and that was a terrible Washington team. We absolutely trounced them, I believe, the year we played them with Fultz. Uh, I want to say that was like a 20-plus point, point win. And But Fultz looked awesome in that game against us. And I remember watching that game and thinking, wow, that's a really special player. Zoom Diallo could do a real similar type of thing with Washington. So, again, we're not knocking the choice. If you decide so, to go to UW, that's that's cool. That's what you feel like you're is going to best showcase who you are as a player. But every every situation comes with a level of risk. So end of day, like whatever he decides, like I will I will happily accept that decision and we will move on as Gonzaga fans to watch this program grow and continue to grow over time. And uh, there's plenty of other really great options out there recruiting-wise. Um, well, there's I, one that's going to be visiting Spokane this season. He's already announced it. And, yeah. you know, it, we we won't go, get into that, but, you know, you – we, you and I both know who we're talking about, and anyone that subscribes to my site knows who might end up being a 2024 guy. We don't know. He yeah. he's he's got potential, and that dude has a, a lot of Jalen Suggs in him, and that's what I'll say right there. And Jalen Suggs is one of the few freshmen that can was able to come in and carve out playing time. So. Right. I, so, but we, there's there's plenty of great things, and here's the thing that I you know, man, I have to talk people off the cliff a lot of times, but it's all it's all good. It's part of part of what I do. Um, like we are, we're talking about fighting over top twenty kids in the country. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Like, period. Like, we're you're talking going against Arizona, USC. They're both top. 15 teams in the country this year throw UW in who has a ton of money. That's a, those, those are tough recruiting battles, right? Yeah. Well, and the guy you just mentioned, James UNC, Suggs. Baylor, Houston. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The guy Jaylen you just Suggs, mentioned, yeah. Jalen Suggs, he, his decision was much later in the process. If, if you, if you all don't remember um, when we were recruiting him. So, you know, like, as much as people have panned the length of time it's taken Zoom Dial to make a decision, just want to throw that out. Like there are other guys, Chad Holmgren, you know, who took a long time to make their decision and ultimately chose to be Zegs. And yep. uh, you know, was was there some some question marks there? Maybe a little bit, but I think we all kind of knew like all along that Zegs were kind of leading in, in those recruitments. And um, in the case of Zoom, there's definitely been times where we felt like Gonzaga was leading too. Now, do we feel like we're going to land Zoom in the next? I don't know. I don't. I probably wouldn't say so right now. But anything's possible. I still think Zoom's making his mind up. We'll see. Well, like I said, I gave you my prediction. He was going to end up in one of the West Coast states. That's insane. I. That's that's what I got right now. I. It's either going to be California, Arizona, or Washington. He he's at least not going to Oregon. So there we go. 
And then he ends up at Florida State. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's 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 where his recruitment has been. It's if something's gonna happen. It's gonna be out of left field. We're all gonna have a laugh about it, and then we're gonna enjoy this season because that's what we do as Zag fans. Exactly. So and that's what I'm excited for. And it, you know, we kick off on Friday against a very good Yale team, and it, it's gonna be a good ride this year. Like. It's it's always a good ride. Like, but here's some other bulletin board material. We weren't picked to win the West Coast Conference. You know, this team's gonna be motivated. And you know, you go into play Purdue and they just they whooped you last year. There's gonna be motivation. There's a lot of motivation for this team. The schedule is tough from Maui on. But yeah. this team, it's I, I can't wait to watch a gel. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see how the season progresses. Um, as excited as I've been in a long time just to really see how it all comes together. All right, folks, that wraps up another episode of the Zagaholic podcast. I've been your host, Josh Linky, And as always, I'm joined by Caldwell Zag. Uh, thank you for joining us and Zag up. Go Zags. <laughs>